0: It's fun. We are back, baby. We are back. We are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw, we go tit for tat, we have our little differences. Let's get fucking like a monkey. And here we go. Hello, and welcome to the Moose and Runes Podcast. This is episode 122 of the pod. A football pod, indeed, plenty to get to. Matt Rooney, alongside Joe Musso, a victory Wednesday, following a victory Tuesday, following a victory on Monday. Matt, how are we feeling?
1: That's three victories right there. So the Bears.
0: That's three victories. We four and one now? up. We four and one. Something now? like that. It's okay. Yeah, that's that's Musso math.
1: Uh, if that's how Musso does math, sign me up for it. Uh, I, we I win every
0: day. We don't lose. Uh, write that down.
1: That's you know what I'm gonna. I'm taking some notes right here. You can hear me typing that. <laughs> I, I put that one down. Uh, I'm feeling pretty good. I, I could feel a little bit better about the Bears, but I could feel worse. And no matter how you want to, you know, phrase it, no matter how you want to say it, the Bears are now two and one, with two mm-hmm. wins on the road, one at a very tough place to play, one on prime time on the road. Which I don't care what the Redskins' record is at home on Monday Night Football. You go into a play, a, a, go into a road environment on a primetime game. It's a tough place to play, and the Bears came out with a pretty, pretty solid win.
0: Totally. Road wins, road wins come at a premium in the league. I don't care who you're playing, but as you said, there are things that were left to be desired. I mm-hmm. kind of had a moment where, at halftime, uh, I said to myself, and I said to Shelby, too, because we were about to board a plane, and she had to listen to all of my Bears analysis. Of course. But I, but I said, you know... She's a saint is, for that, by the way. This is She is. This is a big moment in the Bears' season right now. I'll take a win, but we're going to learn a lot about where this team is at right at this moment in the second half. Can they boat race the Redskins here, put two more touchdowns and a field goal in and and really blow them out? Or is this going to be kind of a 31 10 finish? Like Mm -hmm. I had said, I think what was it? 31 15. 31 15 was was. was your final. So it was not that second half that we had hoped a three point second half following a really, really solid first half. Um, I think we learned that the bears still have plenty of room for improvement which most teams do at this point outside of, like, the Patriots. But I loved what Mitch said post game too, that this wasn't a breakthrough. We're not looking for a breakthrough. We're looking for incremental growth as an offense. We felt like we did that today. He still recognizes that he has to be better, but was it a step in the right direction for the offense and Mitch specifically? 100%. I don't think you could argue it.
1: Yeah, it's it's absolutely a step in the right direction. I think what he said there is, is pretty perfect. They're not if they're looking for incremental growth, just kinda, you know, one week at a time we're getting a little bit better, a little bit better, so we kinda peak at the right time. That's exactly what this was because we did see flashes. Yes, the defense helped them out, but here's a news flash for everybody. They're gonna have the same defense all year. The defense is going to keep helping them out. That's not going anywhere. So they they did have
0: and it's not a detriment to them. No, I mean, and I, they're being put in plus territory. Good for them. Like, I'm sorry. Every I, 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 if this comes off as
1: is, this comes off as sounding like a grievance, but I am so sick of like the offense being treated like they're worse than they are because they have a good defense. What do you want? Do you want them like, to say they don't help? it? like, no, they have a great defense. They're going to take advantage of that defense. That doesn't
0: make it doesn't de- count. It doesn't count unless you drive at eighty yards yeah, on twelve you know, plays.
1: Mitch only had to go sixty on that drive instead of 80 So Doesn't a count. Touchdown really only counts as like four points. No, I don't. A lot I don't prescribe to that either. It's they they took advantage of great situations. Defense put them in. That's what good offenses do. They take advantage of the situations that their good defense was put them
0: in. That's that's exactly what happened. Exactly. And, that that's just as important as turning those turnovers into seven uh, rather than three.
1: Yeah, and I don't want to go all. I mean, we we saw. I think another flash in the right direction for Mitch. That, that one, the, sure, the first two touchdown passes were kind of layups, and the, the one he admittedly said he could have ran in, but he wanted to get Taylor Gabriel a touchdown, so sure. The stepping up in the pocket, rolling out the right, and then just dropping one Such in the to play. Taylor Gabriel. It, it was, it, those are the flat. I mean, we don't see nearly enough of them. I'll be the first to admit that. You'll be the second to admit that. We, we don't yeah. see enough of them, but those are the types of flashes that you're like, oh yeah, that's why this guy was a number two overall pick.
0: I'm not sure he's ever going
1: to get to the level of the guys that were taken behind him. And that's not really his fault that he got drafted where he did. But those are the types of flash that show you that's what they saw in this guy. That's the type of talent, raw talent that he has. And if they could just kind of narrow in the whole package, the brain and the talent, I think we have a special player.
0: Yeah. I, I really liked everything that I saw in that third Taylor Gabriel touchdown that, um, how he stepped up to the right. I don't know if it was, I don't think it was designed. I think he was reading the left no, he side read of the, the defense. Pocket. He was, he was standing in the pocket, read the left side of the defense. And as he stepped up, right. saw Gabriel behind his defender. And mm-hmm. that's when he made that decision and threw that really impressive deep ball off balance, but stepping up to the right. Um, I, that's what I want to see him do in the pocket too, is move the defense with his eyes, work one side of the field, work back to the other side. That's, mm-hmm. you know, That was a forced situation where he had to work for the right side of the field to stay alive in the pocket um i'd like to see him the next step in his maturation be able to stand in the pocket and do that same thing just patting the ball moving his feet Mm -hmm. um that was not an instant where instance where he was able to do that but when he does have a clean pocket I don't want to see him fall in love with one half of the field. Um, yeah. that's, that's something that he still does. But um, with with everything that you just said, you know, the first Taylor Gabriel touchdown, like you said, was a layup. Second one was a layup. But those are only layups because of the play design. So uh-huh. kudos to Matt Nagy for in the goal line or in the red zone area, in the 10 yards and in area, even a compressed field, getting really creative with the play calling, dragging Gabriel all the way across the field, you know, mucking everything up right, throwing it left to Gabriel. Um, those were not easy steps that if you're really breaking it down, those were not easy steps that Mitch took um, that designed kind of boot right, open up your hips, move left type steps. Um, once you get them down, they're easy. But to move a defense like that and commit to those steps is another, you know, step in the right direction and, and, and a positive uh, on Mitch's behalf as well. So so a lot of good things there and not enough can be said about this defense. It's the best in the league. I don't care what you say, um, the depth they have. Um, which is which might be tested. I don't know. It looks like Hicks might sounds be going in shortly.
1: I heard Nagy's sound yesterday. It sounds like they're not too worried about Hicks missing time. Mm-hmm. So I think he's going to be just fine.
0: I don't think we see Taylor Gabriel um, a concussion on uh, a six day turnaround. Um, but the silver lining there, I think we'll get to see a lot more Anthony Miller this hey, week. Anthony against, Miller, it's uh, time the to shine, man. Vikings. That's
1: that's that's his yeah. time to step up and. Uh, I had uh one, one another thing with that offense that I like. You talked about Matt Nagy designing some plays and obviously in the red zone those, those touchdowns on, you know, uh goal to go and short and stuff on a shortened mm-hmm. field worked. I really liked the way he used Cordero Patterson this week. I thought in week 1 He's, he used him a okay, little yeah. bit too much. I thought yeah. in too simple of ways in week 2, you know, he kind of just really ran the one play to him. I thought that would obviously it worked in week 2, but I I thought he used him very creatively, very minimally and used him kind of as, you know, um a bonus type player to have on that roster yeah. used him in that full house formation as a wildcat quarterback used him on an end around he did just give one or two straight off straight up handoffs too that's, uh, that's okay that needs it, to stop See, I, I don't, I, i'm okay with that in certain situations because i yeah. it, I, I don't like him being the solo back in the, in the backfield when you do that you know having him be the you know the one guy there yeah. in a the single back but if you have you know him and tariq cohen in a shotgun you, you play out you, you fake one handoff to tariq and give to cordero that's fine I don't care on, on those types of hands I,
0: I just I just think we need to be honest with ourselves here and realize that David Montgomery is a and I know the offense isn't this, but David Montgomery could be a twenty to thirty carry back. he's he he's showed got that four minute He's got that type of uh, potentials a a, la- a lazy word here, but he has that type of ability to crescendo. you know he might not break off a forty five yard run in the first quarter. But in the third quarter, fourth quarter, he showed that his legs are still there. And now that might be a product of not having the touches that we'd like to see him have. But his legs are still there. His balance is still there. He can still break off chunk runs seven, eight yards at a time. And that's the type of guy who needs to touch the ball 20 times Mm -hmm. if you want to see him break the long one. Um, If we're lining up in the I formation and the situation says run and the defense knows it's run and it's short yardage and we're going to run. It needs to be David Montgomery. Yes. It cannot be Cordero Patterson. It cannot Which be Tariq Cohen. I think Cohen. it will be as, when it
1: starts to matter.
0: As much as I love Tariq Cohen, his his star isn't going to shine as bright this year with as many weapons as we have. I think that the Cordero Patterson project is taking away from Tariq in the running back situation. I don't think it's taking away from anyone in, the, in a receiver vein, but... The only way you're going to get Tariq the ball creatively is if Cordero split out. Tariq and Nagy said it yesterday in his presser as well. You know how are you going to work Tariq in? And he said he's not a receiver. We got to mm-hmm. find ways to get him the ball out of the backfield, and you and you do. So I don't mind. You know, lineup split backs back there, Montgomery and Tariq. I think you really need to start thinking as a defense when you're doing that. Um, I think we will see that, but. I'd love to see those traditional touches go Montgomery's way as we see him growing as a ball carrier.
1: I, I agree with you, and I would. Uh, I think that that's going to be. I think after after the Denver game, obviously week one when we barely used him. I think after the Denver game, Matt Nagy started to realize that. And I, and I think last night here, excuse me, Monday night, he only had thirteen carries, but he got mm-hmm. a lot of those in bulk in a row. And early on in the game, they were kind of trying to get Mitch and the offense going, so they weren't handing the ball off as much. I'm fine with that, uh, but. I'm kind of thinking, and you said it a little bit better. I think the reason he looks fresher at the end of games is because he's not getting loaded up with, you know, nine, 10, 11 carries early on. I think Mm -hmm. it's also more of like a through the season type strategy because after Dave Montgomery, like Mike Davis, we didn't really see any of, and I'm fine with that. He's, you know, an auxiliary running back, a backup at this point at best. But if you know something happens to Dave Montgomery or he starts to wear out, that's your guy. You're in a little bit of trouble. I think running the football. So I think this might be a long game plan for a rookie running back who's you know never really played more than twelve games in a year to have him you know fresh and still ready to go at the end of the year where he's still getting he's still that's able to get very impactful carries. At least that's yeah, what I got. Love. And you got to be
0: able to run the, you got to be able to run the ball to win in November December. Yes, um, doesn't, uh, doesn't matter where in bare
1: weather is. in Chicago, Joe. You got to run the football. You got to keep it lower. Um, yeah. And then I'm with you. Uh, you mentioned Tariq Cohen not really getting involved as much and you know, Cordero Patterson taking away some carries. They got to figure out ways to get him the ball, man. And maybe that's mm-hmm. also part of this too is – not getting him the ball a little bit early, kind of saving him as a secret weapon type thing, as a guy people forget about. Get the screen Later game going in the, year, the first
0: drive. He yeah. runs
1: the screen game better, the, as well as any running back I feel like I've ever seen run a screen. He, he, I know it's a little bit easy to gets so lost. He he's field, small. But he you know? gets lost behind, and he's so quick. The, the, his first move you know, after catching the ball is so quick. He's so great with mm-hmm. the double moves. He's almost impossible to tackle one-on-one in space. He's so fast. Figure out ways to get him the ball, and then, hey, once – teams start sitting on that. You can kind of do fake screen one way and go back another with something. There's ways to build off that too. But I think they're headed in the right direction here. And we see this so often with teams early on in the season. So much of what they run is yeah. to set up things for you know farther down the road. And yeah. I would yeah. like to think that's what Matt Nagy's doing this year. We've seen it in the past. I would I I'd like to think that's kind of what he's I, he's going for this year so far, really.
0: I also think it's a case of not putting yourself in first and 20s Um, I think there's been a lot of penalties avoidable penalties by the Bears over these first three weeks uh, both offensively and defensively where that discipline really needs to start kicking in Um, they were I believe the least penalized team in the NFL last year and that's Mm -hmm. why they were so effective and that's why they won some ball games but uh You know, first and 20, that call sheet gets real thin. You're just trying to dig back and get into a third and manageable situation. um, So that that call sheet gets really shrunken. So I think, you know, first down for this team is super important and and getting plus yardage and getting into a situation where that book opens up uh, on second down. But, uh, you know, we could and I know we will a lot a lot Mm. this season take this defense for granted. But we need to talk about what they did. Ha ha! Clinton Dix intercepting two passes. Khalil Mack with two sacks and two fumble, forced fumbles. Um, uh, Danny Trevathan coming up in a big moment, a watershed moment of the game, poking a ball out, heads up play, and then Eddie Jackson winning a little scrum on the ground. Like they are all so ball hungry that I hope that this is just a glimpse of what we're going to see every single Sunday.
1: Yeah, you mentioned the Trevathan uh, poke out on that fourth and what was fourth and it's First off. Case yeah. Keenum, you're an idiot. So <laughs> that wasn't even the most impressive Danny Trevathan play of the night. That oh, the little, fake rush. The, the fake little hesitation, the, like the, the little he stutter A. step him with the <laughs> I don't know if that's something they saw in Brandon Scherf in film. Like, hey, he's quick to look, you know, once he doesn't see anybody come or see Just show top, he him, he completely show goes him. the other way. <laughs> But I, I've never seen that before, I forgot who was talking about it. But you're going to see so many dudes, so many teams. I think it was once that said, like, it's a copycat league. You're going to see a lot of teams trying to do that this weekend. I think you're right, and I don't think it's going to work for a lot of teams. It was essentially
0: um, the Dwight Freeney fake spin yeah. without contact. Like, it was, it was just unbelievable. And that's the thing about the Bears rushers, is that they're powerful but this is they're a quick, speed – it's a speed rush. They are fast. From Khalil Mack to Danny Trevathan as a linebacker when he gets brought to Leonard Floyd outside to even Akeem Hicks and Eddie Goldman. I mean, that's more power than speed, but they're still the fastest nose tackles I've ever seen. These are speed rushers, and I, I mean, I think the only way to combat that is – to get a screen game going, to get uh-huh. a draw game going, but they're all disciplined. They're too, all so, I don't, so incredibly disciplined. You never see them really getting too far upfield. Um, they're just bending corners and making things really uncomfortable for quarterbacks. That's, for me, the key this weekend in – you know, stopping the run. I, I'm not really afraid of Kirk Cousins terribly in the past game, especially with our back end. It's stopping this run with Dalvin Cook and it's really your classic strength for strength.
1: I mean that's that's what's going to win or lose the game, the ability to stop Dalvin Cook. If they can stop Del- delvin Dalvin Cook, Kirk Cousins is gonna be forced to throw. He's going to make mistakes. We see it all the time when he's forced to throw. And if the defense can stop the run and put the offense in good situations, they're going to be able to scrape by just enough to, you know, put up enough. And that's not a, a knock on the offense or Mitch or whatever. They're still growing. The Vikings defense is, well. you know, while the Bears are the top defense in the NFL, the Vikings defense is probably top five. It's right up there, too. So that's a, it's a really good unit they're going up against. And I think it's going to be a huge challenge for the offensive line. Uh, it's something we haven't seen do the Bears do well this year? Is, is, is offensive line play? I think the Packers game yeah. they were atrocious. The Broncos game they were a little bit better, but I still like they didn't allow a sack. But I also weren't really able to run block much, and it was a lot of quick game. They were okay against Washington. I think it was again it was a step in the right direction. But other than Ryan Kerrigan, there's not much uh, much doing on that Redskins front. And they were just kind of okay. I didn't really notice anything dominant. They took a lot of hands to the face penalties. This Vikings front is no joke. They're going to have to get their stuff together because Mitch is going to need some time in the pocket. Dave Montgomery is going to have to run. And I think on the offensive side of the football, at least that's going to be the most important aspect of the Bears game is whether or not they can block and give Mitch the time he needs to throw. Because when he has time in the pocket, he's fine. It's when he's, that pocket starts to collapse quickly that he starts sailing throws.
0: Yeah, I think that um, you know, it's going to be, as you said, a, a hard fought and a tight Ball game, but if this team gives this crowd a reason to blow the roof off of mm-hmm. the, the metaphorical roof off of Soldier Field, um, they're so badly itching for it because we both know that, you know, it, it's a big stadium. Fans rotate in. A lot of fans only go to one game a season, mm-hmm. but there are a lot of season ticket holders and a lot of fans that find their way to multiple games. And a lot of people that were in that building against the Packers that are going to be in that building against the Vikings that are going to be champing at the bit. Mm-hmm. For something to cheer for, it needs to be a bit of an exorcism for the fan base as well. Um, and if the Bears defense can do what they did last week, this week, I don't think that there's any way that Minnesota comes in and beats the Bears.
1: No, I, I, if the if the defense shows up, at least like, I don't. I know they allowed some yards and some points in the second half. I really attribute that more to Chuck Pagano not really getting aggressive and just saying if you want to you know dink and dunk and go on ten play drives, that's fine. I don't really think that was barring the defense playing badly. But if they show up like mm-hmm. they did in the first half, I. I this, this defense, too, feeds off a crowd really, really well. We see that with them at home all the yeah. time. Um, if, if this defense comes to play like they did in the first half, like they did against Green Bay, uh, I, I think the Bears are going to win this game by, you know, a touchdown or, or 10 points or so.
0: Yeah, um, should be a good one. Uh, Matt, before we move on, any other notes you really wanted to hit coming out of uh, this Redskins win?
1: No, uh, hats off to Eddie Pinheiro. They're clearly hobbled yeah. on that knee. I know he missed the one field goal from, like, 40-something, but uh, I think I don't really fault him for that one. He's going out there kicking pretty hurt. Uh, I thought they managed that pretty well, though, not taking away the, the kickoff duties for him to kind of keep that knee as fresh as it possibly can, and hopefully he, he's
0: back to full strength against Minnesota. And kudos to Pat O'Donnell for picking that up and going yeah. with it. Yeah. Special teams. special. Hey, sometimes special teams got to be extra hey, special, man. It's the
1: third phase, Joe. It's the third phase. It's
0: important. It's the third phase. phase. Uh, hoping to see the third phase and the fourth phase show out this weekend in a big time divisional What's the matchup. the fourth phase? The Bears fans. Oh, I did not know. They used to have that flag no. with the fourth phase. Oh, I don't. Come on, Matt. Sorry. All right. Well, uh, we got uh, some other things to get to here. Sure. Why don't we whip it around the league, Give our impressions from last week's outcomes. Let's do it. It's loading. It always is. It's always Matt,
1: I already had the screen ready to go on my page, so
0: you gotta be you know, starting it off. Starting it off with our Thursday night matchup between the Titans and the Jags. The Jags take this one twenty to seven. Uh, Gardner Minshew uh, leads his team to another victory. Um, he, he's his the lore is growing around him. I guess that's all I have for this one.
1: So yeah, it's it's your annual Thursday night Jaguars Titans game, and uh, good good for Gardner. I, I, he yeah. seems to be catching the league by storm. Who knows how long it's gonna last? But good for him.
0: Uh, we moved to Sunday, where the Bengals and the Bills went at it. The Bills winning this one, twenty-one to seventeen. Josh Allen running around, throwing the ball around, doing a little bit of everything, moving the Bills to three and zero. One of the seven remaining teams sitting at three and zero this week to get the Patriots. So enjoy it while it lasts.
1: Would have been nicer if they uh, they didn't blow that fourteen point halftime lead and covered the six and a half point spread. Uh, also, Frank Gore, still playing football, still effective
0: at age 36. Good for him. Still not, still not wearing a strap. Yeah. Dolphins, yeah. dolphins and Cowboys. Cowboys took this one 31-6, started off slow, but then put their foot on the gas. Um, cowboys are scary good. Dolphins are scary bad.
1: Yeah, I don't think we learned anything from this game about either team, <laughs> quite honestly. And I, don't, and I don't think you'll learn anything in any Dolphins
0: game this season. No. I wanted more from you there so I could That's, sip my coffee. But...
1: I, I could tell.
0: Uh, we moved to Lambeau. Still Broncos.
1: still that coffee, though.
0: Broncos and Packers. The Packers win 27-16. to It was a close one until the second half. I mean, it finished still relatively close, to The Broncos still without a sack three weeks into the season. A team led by Vic Fangio. A defense led by Vic Fangio with the likes of, as we hit on last week, um, you know, Von Miller and um, Ray and all those guys and Chubb coming off the edge. Still no sacks. Um, I think part of the reason why the Packers were able to skate away with a win at Lambeau.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's weird that fan, a Fangio coach defense doesn't have any sacks, at least one with that much talent. But then again, he's not more of a, he's more of a scheme, not blitz type guy. So if, if they're not uh-huh. sending a lot of pressure, I think it's easier to game plan, but you think they'd luck into one at this point. Um, I, I think I still think the Packers are pretty good. I'm still kind of—I mean, they, they had the big win against the Bears, uh, the Vikings. they, they kind of held on at home. I'm—I'm I'm, I'm still seeing it, waiting to see a little bit more from that offense. But it's kind of scary to see them winning on—you know—defensive efforts uh, playing that well.
0: Falcons and Colts. The Colts take a three-point victory, 27 to 24, over the Falcons. Uh, Jacoby Brissett throwing for two touchdowns in the first half. Marlon Mack ran the ball pretty well. And uh, I think we're just seeing wasted talent in Julio Jones in Atlanta. I know that uh, they got that, did they get that deal done? Yeah, they got that deal done with Julio. Um, And it's just a shame that we're going to have to watch him kind of fade to infamy as we did uh, a la Calvin Johnson in Detroit um, at this point in his career. That's what it's looking like, but uh, I know you mentioned it before we came on the Colts, looking like a pretty complete ball club, too.
1: Yeah, I thought this was kind of a statement win for the Colts. They know it ended up being 27-24, but they kind of let the Falcons back in with a couple late scores there. Um, Yeah, Julio Jones and Matt Ryan, it's weird to see an offense with that much talent be that bad. I mean, 24 points isn't bad, bad, but just that they, yep. they're not near they're not living up to the potential they're, they're not nearly as good as they should be and it's it's a little bit upsetting to see because they do have a very good quarterback they do have a very good wide receiver they should in theory have a very good running back in Devontae freeman it's just not clicking it is not Might ravens... be time for a change in uh, at, at the head coaching position <clears throat>
0: there after the year ravens and chiefs the top billing of the week the chiefs end up winning this one 33 to 28 i think the score was closer than the game was yeah uh the ravens really making a push in the fourth quarter and in the second half uh lamar jackson getting it done on the ground getting it done through the air but just was no match for the talent and the execution of this chief's offense
1: so i gotta ask you i'm looking at the box score here because i was a little bit interested to see what he did on the ground did lamar jackson really get it done through the air he was 22 of 43 267 no touchdowns no interceptions. Um, Is that obvious. really cuz and I'm not saying you but if that's a line that Mitch Trubisky put together in Chicago that's I like know, oh but my I can god stop he's stop doing off, that too. Off. But I am gonna,
0: gonna mute I'm gonna mute you on Twitter <laughs> because everything there are there's so much if this was Mitch
1: that's uh, that's the point back. I'm trying to make I'm not just not that's more <laughs> me trying to say he's not as bad as people want to say I know I Like know. it's it's Lamar, Jack, Lamar Jackson played fine he kept him in a I I'd be fine with that game if I was a Ravens fan he kept him in a position to win the game he kind of rallied him late there too um, with an, uh, did you see the throw he made like across the field on third and seventeen?
0: A couple bad decisions that <laughs> a couple got away bad there.
1: decisions there <laughs> that he got away with. But yeah, he, he's it was an exciting game. I, I'm not so sure I'm sold on this. This was a billing of you know our generations, Manning and Brady, um, well, like a lot of people were saying. But it, <laughs> it was a fun game, and uh, like, like you said, I think the Ravens made it a little bit closer than the score wants to suggest. But uh, Patrick Mahomes keeps on rolling
0: vikings and raiders the vikes uh put their foot down the raiders reeling a bit here 34 to 14 the final dalvin cook leading the nfl in rushing had another hundred plus yard game three straight games uh getting that done 16 carries 110 and a touchdown for dalvin cook as we said going to be the key to stopping the vikings the raiders on the other hand got real dinged up they're young and now they're injured uh it could Things could start moving really fast with a trip to Indy and then a trip to London to play the Bears.
1: Yeah, it's tough for them because they did get obviously the nice win against the Broncos on Monday Night Football. They actually started out playing pretty well against the Chiefs too. Uh, right. Like you said, they're young and they're also getting really banged up. and It's, it's going to be tough for, for John Gruden to kind of stop that spiral, I think. But I still think with a lot of those young pieces, now that some of which are banged up, you kind of don't hate where that direction is headed. Again, with a bunch of draft picks coming up again this year.
0: Lions and Eagles, excuse me, we skipped over Jets and Patriots. The Come Pats on, remain undefeated, thirty to fourteen. Uh, again, that was a bad a beat game, for me, man. That was a bad. A beat. game that did not was not um, dictated by the final score. Patriots kind of controlled this one the whole way. Uh, the Jets scoring two late touchdowns, garbage time, a pick six by. Who's the Patriots backup? I don't know. Stidham. It was a ball, go.
1: pick six. And, yeah, it was, it again, was yeah, bad, bad backdoor cover for me for the Jets. That but
0: just your your standard um, stat line, uh, Rex Burkhead and uh, and the rest of that backfield, James White, uh, really splitting carries. Um, Josh Gordon, six receptions, 83 yards, Hopefully, no hopefully
1: Julian Edelman's okay for the Patriots because that's always yeah. a tough loss
0: when he's not in. Not the Looked like a high, to figure it out. But. A high-rib situation for... Julian Edelman, but uh yeah we never have a rib injury, Joe? I did. I, did I had, had a broken rib. Ribs? I had a broken rib young, um uh, seventh, sixth, seventh grade, something like that. Across the middle to hold on to the ball? Played through it, didn't even know it was broken. Did you hold on to the was ball? Broken. Always. What do you come on? Stupid yeah. question. Always Next question. It's a clown question, bro. Always. I had no fumbles. I had no fumbles and I think I dropped one pass in college, right? Well then that's not always. Alright. Lions and <laughs> Eagles. Lions 27, Eagles 24. The Eagles slide to one and two. Uh, I don't know if they're hitting the panic button yet in Philly, but uh, definitely some things to be concerned about. Carson Wentz with a less than stellar stat line, 19 of 36. He did go for 259 and two touchdowns, but uh, not the efficiency that you want to see out of what was billed to be the next uh, Tom Brady, second coming of Jesus Christ. The Lions steal one on the road from the Eagles.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure what, (laughs) who this game says more about Um, the Lions were impressive but we don't really know how good the Eagles are yet they're an older team obviously Carson Wentz didn't look great either that's you know back-to-back games now with him not playing all that well Um, both teams still not really sure who they are and that's a great sign for the Lions that week three we don't know who they are yet and a terrible sign for the Eagles I think that through week three we don't know who they are yet
0: the Lions, or excuse me, the NFC North, seven zero and one against the rest of the league. I said it before the season. This is going to be the toughest division in football. Black and blue division. <laughs> Panthers and Cardinals. The Panthers win it thirty eight to twenty between behind the efforts of Kyle Allen, the backup in uh, excuse me Carolina. He will also be starting this week. Uh, Cam Newton already ruled out for Week Four. Uh, Kyle Allen throwing for 261 yards and four touchdowns, but the story remains Christian McCaffrey, an absolute beast from first whistle to last whistle. 24 carries, 153 yards, got it done through the air as well. Um, already has broken the receiving record for the Panthers franchise. That's pretty solid. Uh, the um, running back receiving um, record. Yes,
1: I, I could, <clears throat> we, we could put that one together. Yeah. Um,
0: Moussin Muhammad shout we,
1: out. I know it's probably early to start saying this, but like – Are we done? Have we seen the end of Cam Newton in Carolina? Because he was already trending the wrong way. He'd lost eight starts in a row. I know it's one start against not a great defense, but this is a pretty darn good start and I would say enough to warrant, you know, being a guy who gets a look as the next young quarterback of this organization because I'm not sure Cam Newton's going to be healthy enough to be the long-term solution anymore. Are we done seeing Cam Newton?
0: I hesitate to say yes because he's such a mainstay for this franchise. But he's not good anymore. And I'd argue that he's never been all that good. Um, no. He's had some great seasons statistically. He's had some great moments, some amazing games where he's mm-hmm. done things that things that no other quarterbacks have been capable of doing. Um, he's quite possibly the greatest short yardage quarterback of all time, but he's not healthy enough to do those things anymore. No, um, He kind of banged his way into oblivion with those shoulders, and now he can't throw the ball. And, he's not a he's never quarterback. Been, He's never been that accurate of a passer. He's never been a pocket passer. Um, When you take away and strip down some of those other abilities, Cam Newton really gets exposed. I I just don't know how he's a starting quarterback for the Panthers. He will get an opportunity somewhere. Somewhere, Um, absolutely. But just making a deal work that he's happy with is going to be really hard to do. So I think long answer to your short question, yes, that's it.
1: Uh, on the other side of the ball, Kyler Murray, I thought looked fine. Uh, not great, not spectacular, but efficient. He was thirty of forty-three, not for a ton of yards, but I thought he was efficient enough. And I'll, I'll be interested to see if they can get him some help on the offensive line and see how yeah. much better or how much more he can grow. I know you're not a, a big Kyler Murray guy.
0: No, but but I'm not going to do the I'm not going to do the like he threw two interceptions. Look at me, I was right thing. Like no. it's going to take three years. For this thing to flesh itself out, the only thing that you can hold me to this year is that I said that there will never be a season where Kyler Murray leads his team to more than six wins. They're at they're o two and one right now. That bet you're trending in the right direction. This that bet year, for 2019 sure. is looking safe. That's looking safe. One for one. All right. Well, <laughs> speaking of which, one in three. We'll get to our locks of the week uh, later on. So fade Musso at this point, but I uh, I start slow. You know, I got to figure it's out who these teams are. You have. You have to figure- Giants and Buccaneers, Giants win this one 32-31. The marquee game of the week, unfortunately, I guess, uh, when you're talking about outcome and the storylines. Daniel Jones, in his first start for the Giants, comes through in a big way in the second half. They said showed a little swagger, was swearing in the huddle. Recognizes, he swore, swore, and apparently that's completely out of character. Uh, Recognizes a man coverage across the board and walks into the end zone for a game-winner. Made a couple really tough throws. The throw roll onto his right. The Sterling Shepard was a tough one. And getting it done without Saquon Barkley for the majority of that game. Barkley going to be out for what's sounding like up to eight weeks at this point.
1: Yeah, I think they said four to eight is what I saw. Yeah. But it's it definitely looks like it's going to be more on the, uh, the closer the eighth to eight side, side, side than the four. The four. Uh, good for Daniel Jones. The Giants still aren't a very good team, but I think when you have that, when you have a quarterback back there that you know can kind of move move with his feet, make a few things happen, roll out, make a couple throws on the run, I think you feel a little bit rejuvenated. And that just wasn't going to happen with Eli Manning. He was a statue, and if it wasn't a clean pocket, he wasn't making a play. So good for him. Um, tough, tough loss there for the Bucks, coming off that huge win and then having the 34-yard field goal you just completely shoved. That's that's. Oh. That's a tough
0: downfield. Mike Evans making that play. Um, but
1: is is there a receiver that is there an, a top NFL receiver that kind of just gets lost because of where he plays more than Mike Evans? Man, if that guy was on, if that guy was on, you know, a contender every year, he'd be
0: seen as you know Julio type good. He he does have a boom bust to him though. He does. And this is speaking for some from that's someone that's very that's very who's, fair who's had Mike Evans on fantasy teams for the last three years, um, and, again, and I do look again at who's this year. To him. Exactly. Um, it's never going to be super consistent week after week after week, but he does have the ability to go out there, catch eight balls for 190 yards on three touchdowns. Those were all three first-half touchdowns as well. Um, if you can get the ball to him in position, he's, he's hard to defend. He's just too big. You ever catch eight balls for 190 yards, three touchdowns? I know I caught eight balls. I never hit 190, though. What about um, three touchdowns? You ever get three touchdowns in a game? Two was the tops, I believe. Damn, I think almost. Two was, almost. I pretty. mean,
1: youth youth league, but high school, college, never two. Yeah, you, youth does. I three. scored a touchdown league. in youth league. That doesn't really count.
0: Never three. Um, you know, I was a I was a chunk yardage guy, first down guy. How can get your first? Yeah. Uh, Texans and Chargers. It's not about me. Texans twenty seven, Chargers twenty. Uh, again, another team. I don't think we've seen their top end yet, and it's a little bit concerning at this point. The Texans at two and one, super talented, but Deshaun Watson. Uh, this was his best game by far 25 of 34 351 yards and three touchdowns that's what you want to see out of Deshaun uh, trending in the right direction and I think the Chargers are, might be the best one in two team in the league so I don't know what to make of this one
1: yeah I still can't really figure out either team I think all always I think all we know about this team these two teams all we kind of saw is that I think these are gonna be two teams that are battling for a playoff spot at the end of the year the Chargers a wild card because the Chiefs are gonna run away with that division yeah. Uh, and I think the Texans and the Colts are kind of kind of going down to the wire with the wild card AFC South. But I, I kind of think these are the same two teams we've seen each of the last, you know, few years. Capable of beating really good teams, capable of a stinker and losing to a bad team and going to kind of be there at the end just about because of how consistent they play.
0: Yeah. Steelers and Niners. Steelers lose 20 to 24. The 49ers overcoming a five turnover day by that offense to still sneak out a win in this one. Garoppolo making a nice little play with uh, Dante Pettis inside a minute, or excuse me, with a minute 15 remaining. Um, I don't know another team, I don't know what they are. We know what the Steelers are at this point without Big Ben. They're nothing, they're 0-3, they're not gonna be able to get it done. We can admit we were wrong on them. The 49ers on the other hand, outside of the Bills, might be the shakiest 3-0 and team at this point. Um, and I say that because of the offense. They have one of the sneaky good defenses in the league. They do get dinged up. Akella Witherspoon, their starting cornerback, will be out for a month. With a sprained foot, it's going to be a hard roll to fill out there because they are pretty thin on the back end. But their front seven is one of the better ones in the league this season.
1: The thing is, though, with this team, like we don't know who they are, and they haven't really beaten many teams yet. We, I think we know they're at least a somewhat talented football team. be 3-0 in the National Football League. You have to have that. We've seen some flashes. Uh-huh. Like you said, their defense is sneaky underrated. Other than, though, like, next week um, they have, what's the Browns? And then they have at the Rams. After that, they, they don't play a whole lot of challenging teams towards the end of the year. So they might be able to kind of stack up enough wins here to keep them in a playoff conversation the entire way. And as Absolutely. for the Steelers, I mean, obviously it's a different roster now than it was on opening day. But <laughs> with how banged up they are, We, you and I were, we're dead wrong on our picks to win that, win that division. Yeah, right.
0: Um, we're let's, we're let's big enough
1: to admit that, guys. We got one wrong. Out.
0: I'll erase that one from the record. Uh, Saints and Seahawks. Seahawks would like to erase this one from the record. 33-27. to 27, The Saints going in there and handing the Seahawks and Pete Carroll, excuse me, the Seahawks under Pete Carroll, their first home September loss, and I believe it was five years, four years, five years, something like that. Um, so a big win for Teddy Bridgewater and the Saints, his first start after that Drew Brees injury. I think... If we're talking backups in the NFL, he's one of the more serviceable ones.
1: Yeah, uh, absolutely. And that's why he is the highest paid backup in the NFL.
0: I don't think it's very hey, close. That's get why the ball. Decided. Get the ball to Alvin Kamara. That's, You'll win football game. It's
1: really not that difficult sometimes. <laughs> when you get Kamara, oh geez, nine receptions, 92 yards. Good for him. Yeah. Um, i I'm, Another team I, I appear to have been wrong about was the Seattle Seahawks. I got you know tricked into believing in Russell Wilson that he was enough to just kind of will this team to to be We're a winning. pretty good football team. I know they're Them two and one, but they didn't. I mean, this was it's thirty three twenty seven because they kind of reeled off some late touchdowns there and made it a little bit more respectable. Um, but outside of Russell Wilson, outside of Tyler Lockett, there's just there's really not much to go around there. That defense is. I mean, Bobby Wagner's making all the tackles, and then there's really nobody else. So it's 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 a tough look in Seattle, yeah. and I think you're closer to heading for a rebuild uh, there around Russell, Russell Wilson than you are being a Super Bowl team.
0: A big departure from what we're used to seeing in the Legion of Boom. Uh, Rams and Browns rounding out the Sunday night action. The Rams winning this one 20-13. Uh, Cooper Cup really, I think, was a storyline in this one. Uh, had a great game coming back off of that. Uh, ACL tear, just a fantastic story to see him doing what he's doing and looking just as good, if not better, than he did prior to that injury. So good on Cooper Cup. Um, Jared Goff, he's a high paid game manager and uh, he'll continue to be successful in that role. I think he's got a lot of great pieces around him and a strong defense to where he doesn't have to be an all world guy. Um, I know he was in an MVP conversation for some time last season but he doesn't have to be. And mm-hmm. uh, the Browns, on the other hand, slide to one and two, another team uh, with their thumb over it, but hesitant to hit the panic button just yet on the Browns.
1: Yeah. Who calls a draw on fourth and nine, man? That was a really weird That play. was really bad. Um, and then the the first and goal when they had it uh, first and goal from whatever it was, the four late, and they just kind of ran the same formation, same type of play over and over again. Didn't really work.
0: I, I think Freddie Kitchens might be a, li- swim, like swing a little swing. Just a little bit out over of his head, play. right? Just yeah. a little
1: bit there. Uh, and I think that's a classic case of a GM hiring a coach he can control. And I think I'm not saying he's not going to be a good quarterback. He's not going to be an effective player, in, an effective player in this league for a little while. But must pump the brakes on you know crowning Baker Mayfield as you know yep. an elite quarterback, a great quarterback. The next you know the second coming. He's he looked he
0: looked more comfortable this week than he has in weeks past. And I'm talking just like setting his feet and throwing a little bit. Um, he's just,
1: he's got a lot of room to grow still. A lot of yeah. room to grow, and I, I think. What's it? Thirteen points. They they didn't. Uh, they they got killed last week too. And it's you're not I'm sorry. Two weeks ago against the Titans, they didn't really put much up at home. I even thought against on Monday night against the Jets, he that offense didn't put up as many points it probably could yeah. have. Uh, th- there's still a lot of
0: room to grow for that offense. Definitely, uh, Matt. Monday night, we bears. know what happened. Bear down. In summary, Bears. Bears. Uh, and that is your NFL whip around for the week. We hope you enjoy it every week. I know we enjoy doing it. Um, Matt, before we get into some segments here, you got anything? You got any any just notes for the people? Any grievances? Anything come to you overnight? Just inspire your spirit?
1: Not really. Uh, I I, I mean, I have a somewhat of a, I I had a little bit more of a a grievance in college football. It's not like a a formal grievance. It's more of like, okay. had some issues with the Notre Dame game, but we'll get that it's by not, ourselves.
0: It's not grievance music worthy. No, it's not saying. quite
1: grievance. It's not quite grievance music worthy. It's, it was close, drop, and I thought no about it. in the heat of the moment it was, but when you get a second to kind uh-huh. of step back, take a step back a little bit, I, I, I calm myself down, and it's not quite grievance music worthy. Yeah. We don't um, want to just right. throw those around every week, folks.
0: Well, let's just jump in and buy sell then. Let's do it. All right. Uh, I'll lead us off here. Matt, the Cubs season coming to just – a uh, inauspicious end, just just not what you're looking for. Obviously, uh, they're on a losing streak right now, taking themselves straight out of wild card contention. A damning weekend against the St. Louis Cardinals. It looks like change is on the horizon. Wherever that change may come, I don't think we see this team in mm-hmm. its same iteration next season. Matt, buy or sell, Anthony Rizzo and Chris Bryant are both Cubs opening day next year.
1: I lean towards selling it. Um, I I do think they're going to try and shop Chris Bryant and get as much as they can for him. I don't know if that's necessarily the right move because I'm not sure his stock is as high as it's going to be. Um, But I know they also have some budget control issues going forward. They have some guys they're going to have to sign. And I'm not sure, you know, nine years, $300 million for Chris Bryan is exactly going to be in the cards. Because, I mean, mm-hmm. you saw Orton, Nolan Arenado's contract, which is, I forget, like eight years, two eighty-six, something like that. So, naturally, Bryant's going to be the next and he's going to want a little bit more. And I just, I don't think that that is in the cards for the Cubs. What a
0: hilarious it's, amount of money, it right? It really is. It, uh, it, <laughs>
1: imagine someone offering you eight years, $286 million, yes. the ones that Say, You know what? No, that's not quite enough for me. Uh, yeah. but that's that's the day and age we live in his agent scott boris so you know he's going to get as much as he possibly can out of him yeah i think he's gone uh joe madden has managed his last game at wrigley and he'll, he'll be on his way out too so it's it's a weird it, i'm not saying the window's closed for the north side because they still have a lot of young talented players but uh, we're we're going to see theo epstein tested this off season because there are yep. some very important decisions to make and they're not you know drafting young player decisions in building it's it's Finding major league talent mm-hmm. and surrounding this roster with it, and he's been pretty bad at that so far. So he, he's going to be tested. But I will sell it. I think Anthony Rizzo is um, a Cub. I think Chris Bryant is not.
0: Boneheaded, uh, heartfelt sentiment of the week. You can't move Anthony Rizzo. If you do, the fabric of the team and everything you've yeah, done, he's everything just, you've built, is gone.
1: You know it's. It's tough because if he wasn't so important to that locker room, if he wasn't, you know, the captain, the face of the franchise, all that type of stuff, them. it absolutely would make sense to move him. He's yeah. going to be thirty. He's, uh, I, I think it's after next year. I want to say where he's up for a new deal, but he's going to be up for a new deal when he's like thirty-one, thirty-two, and he didn't. He kind of took a, a club friendly discount when he signed his last extension, so he's going to want to get some money, uh, and you're either going to lose him for nothing or you're going to have to overpay for a guy who's getting a little bit older. Uh, He makes the sense to move on from, from a pure baseball standpoint, but he means so much more to that locker room, that clubhouse, that organization than just what he provides on a baseball field. Yeah. Also, if you can't win the game that he, you know, surprisingly starts two weeks earlier out of a broken ankle or out of a sprained ankle, (laughs) leads off, hits a home run, then you just, you're not going to win like that. That that was when they lost the division, when they lost the playoffs, when they lost that game. Uh, I'm going to go to the college football gridiron here, Joe. We haven't talked about it. it much. It's a fun weekend in college football. I'm going to – you want the good news or the uh, the bad news first?
0: Give me the bad first.
1: Okay, we'll start with the bad news. And, I, and I'm not even sure it was all that bad. Notre Dame lost a tough one on the road to Georgia a game that many of mm-hmm. us, I think, thought myself included, thought they were going to get blown out in. Um, buy or sell – keep it as simple and open-ended as possible. Buy or sell what you saw from the Fighting Irish Saturday night?
0: I totally 100% unequivocally buy it. Um, when the line is that big and the spread is that big, big, obviously Vegas sees something in these two teams where the disparity is that large. Uh-huh. Um, I think that Georgia might be a little overvalued, and I think that this game showed that Notre Dame is undoubtedly undervalued. Now, they did lose. It was their first loss of the season, but I think it was the best effort they put forward Um, This season, I did not see it real time. I went back and watched highlights, um, the extended like twelve minute cut, um, and they did some things that they hadn't done in weeks past. Um, I apologize. I was celebrating the nuptials of my sister. Uh, We're congratulations, obviously having a good time on Saturday night. Um, Thank you, but um, no, I think I think this was. A good showing. I hate moral victories more than anyone, but a moral victory, no doubt.
1: Here's the thing, and it's—I'm uh, with you. I, I, for the most part, I buy part of what I saw. I'm going to sell part of what I saw too, but I'll get to that. I don't believe in moral victories too, especially at this level. And I'm not calling this a you moral believe victory. In morals? I do believe in morals. I like to think okay. I have them, but that's <laughs> another debate for another time. Um, this this is the age in college football of the good loss though. Like there mm-hmm. there are such things as good losses, losses that look all right on a resume. And I, I don't think Notre Dame's a playoff team. I said that from day one. I still don't think they are. But if they run the table and some things happen and Georgia looks good the the rest of the way when they finish mm-hmm. the season eleven and one with, you know, maybe Oklahoma dropping a game or two. There's value to this loss. If your one loss is we lost twenty-three to seventeen at night, at Georgia, we had the ball in the final minute with a chance to win the game, that's an okay-looking loss. And I'm not saying yeah. it's going to get them to a playoff, because I, I still don't. I still think this team probably has a bump in the road or two along the way just because it, I don't think they're as talented as we've seen in Notre Dame team be. I still think they're pretty young. But mm-hmm. it was definitely a step in the right direction. Uh, the, the defense showed that they are absolutely a legitimate college football top-end type defense. They – They contained DeAndre Swift enough. He didn't really have too many explosive plays, and he's as explosive a back as there is in the country. Uh, Jake Fromm was incredibly efficient, but he didn't really beat them with the big play all that much, which is another thing I was worried about. The offense was kind of the the issue for me is that they didn't – they're down to pretty much one running back and they just kind of kept trying to feed Tony Jones, who's not that type of back. He's not the most elusive fleet of foot guy. They kept trying to get him the ball in space, which was weird. They tried to chunk Georgia down the field, even though they were daring them to throw deep. You have Chase Claypool, who's as good of a deep threat in the country as there is. You have Cole Komet, who they hit you know, a bunch of times on the drive right before half where they went down and scored. They, just, they didn't take their shots until the end of the game, and they started working at the end of the game. I would have liked to see them go in with an aggressive we're going to try and win this ball game game plan whereas I thought the defense did that I thought the offense went in not to lose and you're not going to beat Georgia on the road by going in yeah. the game plan uh, I absolutely mean, I agree with I get being conservative but at some point you need you to start we need to push the ball because in the third quarter what started to happen was yeah. exactly what I said would happen the offense wasn't able to stay on the field the defense was on the field the entire time and credit to them for not allowing as many touchdowns as they could have they held in the field goals a couple times but George was able to move the ball, take advantage of a tired defense, and that's kind of where they started to extend the score, pull away just a little bit.
0: Um, I think you broke it down as well as anyone could, right there. Uh, Maybe except for Phil Goff. We're going to keep things in the college football ranks for this next buy or sell. Buy or sell. We saw the uh, the Washington Bears, Washington, Washington Bears, the Washington Bears uh, of uh, AFL fame. No, we sure. saw the Wisconsin uh, Badgers take care of the Michigan Wolverines <laughs> yeah, over did. the weekend. Yeah, a we dominant did. first half, uh, Jonathan Taylor just, as we said preseason, emerging as a Heisman favorite, mm-hmm. perhaps. But that, that in lies my question. Therein lies my question. Buy or sell Jonathan Taylor's path to a Heisman. Can a running back win the Heisman in today's day and age with so many talented quarterbacks out there?
1: Yes, is the answer. Um, I, I think in order for that to happen, Wisconsin's going to have to win the big Ten. Um, I'm not sure they have to go undefeated, but they have to you know be 11 and one, win the big Ten championship game, go 12 and 1, 13 and 0. Jonathan Taylor's going to have to continue doing what he's doing. He's got 440 yards through three games, if not, you know be a little do a little bit more than that. Um, and he's going to need Jalen Hurts to slow down. Um, I, I, if that happens, if Oklahoma loses a ball game or two along the way, if Tua and Bama slow down just a little bit, I think he needs either Tua and Bama to slow down or speed up so Tua is out of every game by the start of the fourth quarter, midway through the mm-hmm. third. Uh, there, there is a path. It's just it, he's going to need some help along the way. Um, and he's going to need to keep putting up these ridiculous type stat lines in order for that to happen. But I do think on his side, at least, is people around the country are starting to take notice to it. It's not like a running back is doing this under the radar. He came into the season with a big name, people talking about him, and he's absolutely living up to the hype, if not more. But he's just going to need Jalen Hurts, Tua, and Trevor Lawrence to not falter along the way, but not be Mm -hmm. quite as good.
0: Only three running backs have won the Heisman since the year 2000. Excuse me, since the year 1999. Ron Dane? Uh, only Is he one of them? Ron Dane was 1999. Derrick Henry. You've, you then had Derrick Henry. You had no, Reggie Bush. T- you had Reggie Bush in '05. It doesn't vacated. count. He didn't win the
1: Heisman. He doesn't have it. He doesn't have it? Where's your Heisman, Reggie? Don't have. You had it. A, a winner. Bad.
0: You got Derrick Henry. You have one more. 2015 was Derrick Henry. We had an 0-9 running back. Oh, 9 uh, running Wimma back. Heisman. Wow. Still in the league. Still getting it done.
1: In the NFL, still getting it done. Oh, man. This is going to kill me.
0: For the who, sake of time, I'll give yeah, you a Yeah, who was it? No, give, give me a clip. Give Oh, Mark Ingram. Correct. Mark I completely junior, forgot Mark Ingram won a Heisman. But uh, just making the point that – it's tough for running backs to, you know, put together a body of work, no matter how impressive, to outshine one of these quarterbacks.
1: I also think the fact that he's at Wisconsin, too, a school that's you know known for running backs and all that type of stuff, probably helps Student his body. case a little bit too. Totally. Uh, um, I'm going to stick in that same game that you just kind of brought up because this, for me, is the good news because, well, if you know me and you know Joe, I don't like Michigan all that often, all that much, and mm-hmm. um, Michigan got pretty much embarrassed. They're down 28 nothing at halftime, 35 nothing in the third. They made it, I don't know if you want to call thirty-five fourteen 35-14 respectable, but not look as bad as you thought. I'm um, going to make this one pretty simple. Buy or sell after this loss? Jim Harbaugh is now on the hot seat.
0: I buy that. Um, you have to win at Michigan. You have to win. You have to beat Ohio State, and I know that game hasn't taken place yet this year, but they ha- they're they not going to beat Ohio State. Um, I don't know if it's a deficit of talent, and if it's a deficit of talent, then that's a detriment to him as a recruiter. Mm -hmm. Um, I think he's a great recruiter. Maybe sometimes as a recruiter, you make bad decisions. I don't know, but I think he is on the hot seat. Is the grass greener? Who are you going to go get? You know, there's always names out there that are floating around and there's always Coaches that are looking to take the next step, but in a large way, hiring a new coach as a program, in most instances, is a rebuild. You know, you're, you're now three years away from even being in a conversation of winning a conference, mm-hmm. of, of being anywhere near a conversation of being in the college football playoff. Michigan had those hopes over the last half decade, um, and they had that talent over the last half decade. Now they still have those hopes, but they don't have that talent, and I think that's no one's fault but the head of the program. And the head of the program being Jim Harbaugh. Um, it, it's tough because I don't know where you go from here as Michigan, but I don't think Jim Harbaugh is the answer at this point.
1: Yeah, it's it's strange. I I, I completely agree with your sentiment of where do we go if this isn't the guy, because. When they made this hire, it was even when they were you know courting him. It was you know it's a long shot he's staying in the pros and all that. When they got him to come here, it was you know, this was their move. This was their all in. This was their we got you know this is this is the biggest move we're going to make. This is the best you know case scenario it could possibly be. And it just they were inches away from oh you know Ohio State and a Big Ten championship and a, a possible playoff berth in 2016. And ever since then, it's really been just kind of downhill flopping Mm -hmm. on that, uh, you know, the national stage and the recruiting has been fine. I don't think, you know, people treat Michigan like to think, you know, they've been this elite recruiter. They haven't, they've kind of been below that top five, six, seven, you know, group. They're right around, you know, top 10, top 15 in every class, but Jim Harbaugh doesn't seem to be getting the best out of them. Um, I don't know why they went in with such high expectations this year. I know they were returning their quarterback, Mm -hmm. but their defense lost so much that I, I don't, didn't really, it was really just more because Urban Meyer left that people thought, Michigan was going to make that move and they haven't obviously they're not on the path to and I don't think he's quite on it yet but looking at their schedule going forward and the way the team looked against Wisconsin just kind of lifeless kind of not really caring not wanting to be there look dead on the sidelines mm-hmm. they got some tough games coming up they got some tough road games coming up and it could get ugly quickly and if it does I think you absolutely have to at least you know consider it. it's just where do you go from here in the head coaching search if it wasn't Harbaugh?
0: I think it'll be a lot easier to answer this question on Saturday, November 30th at about noon Eastern time um, after that Ohio State game because Ohio State is likely going to put another number up on them and if you can't beat your rival, I don't care what your name is, you're going to be shown the door at most universities. I still Ohio think... Ohio State... Go ahead, finish up. No, I was just going to you know take things back to the early 2000s again. Can you tell me how many times Michigan has beaten Ohio State in the last fifteen years? I think they're like one in fourteen or something. One in fourteen yeah. in the last fifteen years. Um, Michigan winning in two thousand eleven. Outside of that, it's been seven straight, bookended by seven straight. So it's just not—it's not a winning recipe. And oftentimes, when you're switching up the recipe. The chef's got to go. The coach has got to go.
1: Yeah. I think I saw that there's not one assistant remaining on that staff since the day Harbaugh took over, which I I think says a little bit about uh, Harbaugh might say how hard it is to coach under him, might say a little bit more about, you know, what people see is where people see Michigan ranking. Yeah. I'm also. I think it might be a little bit earlier than that. November thirtieth game you're talking about. They they play Rutgers mm-hmm. this week, which they'll go out and Michigan will do the Michigan thing where they blow out a terrible team after a terrible
0: loss and it'll look yeah, Rutgers better. Rutgers can score the football though. I don't know if this will be the blowout that we expect.
1: I think they will, but that's that's something we can get into later. That's not really all that important, um, unless they lose, which my God, that yeah. would be hysterical. Um, <laughs> after that, they have a four game stretch of verse Iowa at home. Uh, then they go to Illinois, which they should win, but then at Penn State versus Notre Dame, I think after that Notre Dame game on the 26th, you'll kind of know um, how they look against those three really good football teams. Uh, if they go into Happy Valley and get blown out again, uh, that's going to be a really, really tough looking. if they would have gone throughout this season and, you know, been 10-2 and two with, you know, what, maybe one tough loss at Penn State and then lost to Ohio State by a couple touchdowns, I still think Harbaugh would have been fine because yeah. – it's still Ohio State, there's still a little bit of a cut above, and if you're if you're doing the other things right, I think because you're Jim Harbaugh, you'd be fine, but when you start getting blown out by inferior programs and it, that's it, not a shot at Wisconsin they' just the program itself it's not you know held to the same prestige, the same ilk as the University of Michigan. When we start getting blown out like that in you know year six or whatever it is that's that's a sign,
0: yeah, um so I think we're both in accordance that. The seats, while not scalding, the um, seat warmer's been of, turned on. had a lot, has a lot of eyes on it. You just turned, turned on the sell. car
1: in the winter, and you, you literally just pressed the seat warmer yet, yeah, so the seat's not quite hot, but it's it's <laughs> starting to get going.
0: It's hotter than it feels already. I think as we extend this metaphor, uh, Matt, I got one more for you here. Less of a buy or sell, more of an over under. We are approaching the start of your beloved Blackhawks. <sighs> That means mass hockey minute's coming back. Mass hockey minute will be back. I'm not giving you a full minute here. I'm sure we'll go over it anyway. Uh, the lines came out, and obviously NHL lines go by points, not wins, because that would be. I mean, I'm sure you can get a line on wins, but yeah, um, the over/under is usually done points wise. Uh, Matt, over/under the Hawks line of ninety and a half points.
1: Uh, I like the over. Um, I'm gonna go optimistic here. They had 84 last year. They had 76 the year before. The year before, they're pretty terrible. Um, yeah, they're bringing back largely amount of the same group as last year, except they figured out the backup goalie situation by bringing in a Vezina, Vezina finalist. They seem to have shored up the back end a little bit, adding some some more defensive type defensemen as as odd as that sounds. A lot of their guys were, you know, puck moving offensive type blue liners. They added some some more stay at home help back there, which they really needed. And they've added some forward depth too, and not just the the flashy kind that's going to score some goals and not play two way hockey in the bottom six. They added some guys who can play both ways on the bottom six. Patrick Kane's still really good. Jonathan Taves, um, Jonathan Taves was kept outside like the NHL's top twenty centers or something, and was I think asked about it. He he was asked about it in the uh, in the media, and he was um, he was not thrilled. He he didn't go out as far as you know, to to really go at them or whatever. You could tell that he was not very thrilled about it. I, I can see leaving him off said list after two years ago where the, the narrative was he's done, you know, he's not as good anymore, his back's bothering, whatever. But after the season he had last year, uh, to to still kind of snub him. I think he's going to go off and have an even better year. They still have some some really good high-end talent. So I think they're 90 ninety points was good enough to make the playoffs last year. I think they're going to go over that. I think their division still going to be really good this year, but I think you got some teams that are ready to take a step back. I think the Hawks are going to be a team that takes a step forward. Give me right around 98, 97 points, and I think they're uh, not winning the division, but right around two or
0: three um i like the analysis and you. uh might have to put a couple shackles down on i it. think you have to uh, matt speaking of which should we jump into some locks of the week let's do it matt's out to an early lead at three and one so i'm surprised by my hot start ride the matter he's got a hot start here i uh have limped out to a one and three start but uh, we're looking at lines for this week matt why don't you lead us off with your pick
1: uh, I This was, again, I think I feel like I've said this two of the last three weeks. I didn't really love either of the, the college or NFL lines this week, but uh, I, I did come to a conclusion on the Colts minus 6.5 at home against Oakland. The Colts coming off that nice win against Atlanta. They've looked pretty good the last couple weeks. You talked about it, and you've seen a bunch of the Raiders you know, living up there. They yeah. look like they're a little depleted. They're reeling a little bit, and they're, they're young. It's going to be hard to get them out of that spiral, I think, early. Uh, give me the Colts at home. Uh, I don't think a touchdown is too much to ask there.
0: I, I really like that pick, too, because the Colts, or excuse me, the Raiders have had to deal with some extended travel uh, a little bit of East Coast back and forth. They're now traveling to the Eastern time zone where they will directly travel to London from. So um, a lot on their plate, a lot to look at from travel standpoint when you're one of those guys on that team that you might lose focus of the uh, current task at hand. I like the uh, Colts uh, covering the six and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, my pick, Matt, my lock of the week, I'm going to go against my uh, my NFC East or excuse me, my AFC East rules. I usually don't like betting Patriots versus the AFC East because a lot of weird things happen in there despite their dominance over the last two decades. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to take the Pats covering seven on the road at Buffalo. A little bit of a trap number there at seven. Would have loved to have gotten it at six and a half, but the way that the Patriots are performing this season and the way specifically that defense is performing this season has me feeling good about the Pats covering seven at Buffalo.
1: I love that pick, and I... I would have liked it at six and a half as well, but I think very similar. to I I got Texas over Oklahoma State at minus five last week, and it shot up to seven by Saturday night when it kicked off. Um, I I think your line's similarly headed that way. It's at seven now. I wouldn't be surprised to see it get up to, you know, around nine, uh, nine and a half or so by the weekend. Um, So get
0: it while it's hot. There's your locks of the week. Matt, what what, what do you got? I was going to say we're going to
1: make our locks of the week on on BetsBurts, BetsBurts.com. Remember that show? They, They allow you to find experts in each league, conference, division, team, each Betspert displays their own overall record by Betspertise and their after, a, a, excuse me, active picks. You can find, follow a bunch of these different people, basically, who's all doing really well or doing very poorly in certain aspects of the gambling world. Betspert provides uh, down to incredibly uh, informative stats, very specific stats for each matchup. Uh, they really get in-depth. So go to BetSperts.com, make your picks. We're going to do the same.
0: Looking at Betts-Bert's, uh Twitter feed right now, already some gems on there. The Red Sox have gone over eight games in a row. That's 51 minutes ago. Uh, stat of the day, NCAA football Big Ten champ uh, gave us some odds there. So really just uh, all over the board, uh, slow starters in college football, the best teams against the spread since 2015. From week five and on, so they're really breaking things down mm-hmm. and looking at uh, nuanced statistics. UCF thirteen and three, Utah State twelve four and one. So just give me a little bit of Best. insight on those on those late bloomers.
1: Best part about it, folks, is it's free. They do have a, a subscription payment option if you want to get a little bit more in depth, but the, their free um, information is is all well and good. There's totally enough for you there to to make some decisive and some informative picks on, on whatever you want to gamble.
0: And at one and three.
1: I need bets, bro. You really need, or just you know, f- start following me, Joe. If you be if you be f- if you be going with my picks every week, you'd you'd be in the in the black right now. Yeah, just my loss. not
0: my uh, that's legs. true. But I'm up. I'm up a couple. Uh, I'm up a couple dollar bills here. That's in, all that really going. That's all yeah. that matters. Uh, Matt, before we say goodbye to the people, you got anything uh, to plug? Any any big um, any big things coming up here in the life and times of Matt Rooney?
1: I don't think so. It's it's October, right? It's October. October. No, it's not yep. quite October. It's September. Almost um, Tell how, how was the wedding? Did we talk about that on air or off? Ugh. I don't remember. Do we have a You could time? imagine.
0: We talked off air. You could, okay. you could imagine what – now this was the union of – I can imagine Dan- what
1: a Musso wedding was like.
0: Yeah, and not only the Musso wedding, but this is the union of Danielle Musso and Ron Profetti. So um, there were some Italians in the room. There were some hands being thrown around, some gesticulation happening. Oh, yeah. Um, but just start to finish, an absolute party. I really should have um,
1: crashed that wedding.
0: We danced, our feet swollen. So uh, anyone who was there saw the uh, the debauchery uh, that 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 can happen when you put two such families together. It um, was uh, an awesome day.
1: What's dinner at that wedding? I know it's like you, know, you got to have it at a venue, so it's probably you know more of you know yeah, steak or chicken. You know, but uh, it was, it's an Italian wedding, so you get some three hundred
0: plus people, big wedding. Um, so you know we we do the you know it's banquet style where okay. it all comes out, and it was fantastic. Usually banquet style. It, it's hit or know, or miss. They have trouble. They have trouble getting the steaks medium rare. It was perfect medium rare. It was so Danielle and Ron decided. You know, no decision. We're not going to have people say chicken, fish, this, that, the other. Just make it standard. That's what allows the kitchen to get it out consistently. Yeah. Everyone got uh, lobster tail. Everyone got oh. filet. Everyone got Whole a nice surf little turf. potato. Yeah, it was surf and turf for everyone. It was absolutely delicious. Uh, salad course, soup course. Um, crazy dessert table, and then the late night snack was—I um, uh, forget where they were from. Cannolis. Jimmy's hot dogs. No, Jimmy's hot dogs. There were cannolis on the. I actually on had a cannoli table. off the dessert. The, well, and like when I say dessert table, like no lie, thirty feet long dessert table. Just it was a it was a spectacle. Um, Mike Danielle would only have it. So uh, I like that. It was a fantastic night, uh, good food, and uh, even better people. So congrats to my sister on. What I hope is a lifetime of happiness with her with her new husband. That's very well who said, I, Joseph. Who I plan on beating the brakes off of in fantasy football this week. <laughs> uh, that's,
1: that's, that's, that's t- let's, let's start the fantasy football trash talk. They're in I they're in it.
0: Italy they're in Italy for their honeymoon right now. they got there just yesterday. So I'm hoping like there's some spotty connection and he can't settle us. Or he
1: just kind of forget you know, when you're especially when you're overseas exactly. like, like mine, that you're somewhere it's six. It's a six or seven hour time difference. You completely forget what day it is. You don't remember it's Sunday and that there's football on. So I mean, nah, he's, he, he might have a chance. He's set his there. lineup.
0: Top two. Uh, top two teams in the league right now. So uh, oh. I believe he'll be set his lineup. Clash of yeah. the Titans. Clash of the Titans. Don't take. It, you can take my sister and my fantasy win. Not a chance. <laughs> Not a chance, man. I like that. Um, but you know, we steer clear of fantasy talk here on the Moose and Runes podcast. We do our but best. It is all fair game. Just to maybe... I'm teasing a tease here, Matt. It's not even a full tease yet, but, but a month from now, we might have a Pebble Beach review episode coming on the pod. So, that's, uh, I mean,
1: that's not a tease of a tease. That's a tease.
0: No, that's a tease of a tease. That's, that's a tease te- of a tease. That's, that's, the that's, tea that's time, The tea time isn't booked yet, because so you can't get a concrete tea time at Pebble Beach if you do not stay with them. They only take tea times for people who stay. Now, they they welcome walk-ups and they get most walk-ups out there because it's such an expensive yeah pack. um that's not them, a course um, that's, that has you know, you know full exactly. tea times every day. exactly the tea sheet's pretty open um but because we're not staying there um i'm trying to make some calls and uh pull some strings to get a concrete tea time i like um, that but uh, we might have a pebble beach preview episode coming up in the near future gotta love that matt it's always a pleasure pal think that's going to do it for episode 122 of the moose and runes podcast as always hit us on twitter let us know what you liked what you didn't like send us those mailbag questions we got an empty mailbag right now and when we have an empty mailbag i am an unhappy and surly individual and i fill the mailbag the bag and fill our hearts yeah. thank you as always for listening to the moose and runes podcast for matt rooney i'm joe muso we'll see you guys soon